When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me. Like the fella once said, ain't that a kick in the head? Whew, guys, it's getting uh, expensive to get out to Vegas these days. Man. First of all, airline prices are up, and uh, we're not making any money, Deej. No. If if this was my DraftKings record, my wife would never let me reload. She'd be like, dude, you just can't pick them, son. Oh, God. Troy, would your wherever you bet reflect on how you're doing in Mitch in Vegas this year? Because you... You've gone four and one again. You're twenty eight and eighteen. That's crazy. Uh, yes, it would, because I've been pretty good about going ahead and laying that down. All right, here's your standings. Troy's twenty eight and eighteen. Went four and one last week. The people are in second at twenty six and twenty. So the two games back, they also went four and one last week. Both DG and I, DG, uh, went two and three. There was a push. Uh, that was the Oregon Washington game. Washington won by three. That was a push. Trey went three and two, so went four and two and three and two in his in his nice. tries here, Mitch in Vegas. Seven seven good. and four. He's seven and four, and I'm a two and four hundred and seven. Just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm nineteen and twenty seven. DJ is sixteen and thirty. Good lord! Yeah, you are twelve back of the leader. I'm nine back. Come on, man. Why are you gonna say it like that? But here, this is where we rebound. This is this yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Troy actually, because he thought he wouldn't be able to be here for Mitch in Vegas, he went and sent me his picks, so we can just cheat uh, if you want. Oh, yeah. stop it. Yeah. So, uh, all right, so I got his picks right here, We can, and he's going to give us to him live anyway, so we can just go the opposite. Um, all right. We start <laughs> with the Cats. I, I put him back in Mitch in Vegas. Didn't have him in last week. They're back in there. TCU at K-State, the Wildcats, six-and-a-half-point favorite. This will be at 6 o'clock. It'll be televised on ESPN2, but, of course, coverage right here on K-Man. Starts with PowerCat game day, 2 in the afternoon. The people say cats by 92%. We'll start with Troy. And I'm writing the cats as well. With uh, that 6.5, I'm a little leery, but I do believe that getting back home is going to help this team. Absolutely, and if they can take advantage of turnovers the way they did last week, I mean, that... If Texas Tech would have just ran the ball more, I think it'd been a different game, but they couldn't because they were giving them up. So the Cats are going to take care of business and cover that six and a half. Yeah, I mean, once Texas Tech took the lead, Taj Brooks ran the ball three more times. That's so in the last was, quarter and a half. Yeah. He was crushing. 
And if it was I, tough to stop, I, I just anyway, I'm not an expert, so I don't know why they went away from it. But I think it has something to do with a guy just throwing lame ducks up the whole second half. Big time. (laughs) But, yeah, cats are going to cover. Tried to do too much. Duck hunt. I know, Trey, you're you're working right now, but this is the only pick I'm going to have you make. Cats, frogs. Cats. Oh. There we go. Very nice. And I'm not going to save the graphic here. It's going to be five for five. I'm going to say cats. Minus six and a half. Cats cover. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, if it was seven and a half, yeah. I may not take that hook. I don't like the hook. The I, hook. Seven and a half scare me. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the people, 91.8% say K-State will cover against TCU, so why not? We're all going cats, getting it done at home. Game two is the game of the week in college football. And Ohio State fans are salty about it being at midday. For the fourth time... <laughs> In the last seven meetings, this will be a top 10 matchup. Ohio State has won six consecutive games over Penn State. This will be an intended the last 12. Number seven, Penn State at number three, Ohio State. The Buckeyes favored by four and a half, 11 a.m. on Fox. So let DG go first. I think the Buckeyes, uh, they're going to win, but they're going to win by three. I'm taking Penn State. Give me the points. I'll be the road uh, doggy, doggy, let's do it. I think, like I said, it'll be like a 31, 28, 34, 31 kind of deal. I'm comfortable with that line at four and a half with Ohio State winning it because of it being a home game. I think both teams are going to be slow in getting started because it is a midday game and it takes a little juice we've seen in the Big Ten to get going in the morning. Uh, but I, I think that Ohio State is going to be able to put that one away. So Penn State has statistically the best pass defense in the country. And Ohio State, I mean, they're not, I wouldn't say they're firing on all cylinders. But the Ohio State has rolled over 320 passing yards or more in four of their last five games. Um, And also, I want to call out the the schedules here so far. Yeah, Yeah, Both teams uh, are undefeated. Penn State has played West Virginia, Delaware, Illinois, Iowa, which and they shut them out, Northwestern, and UMass. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ohio State has been more battle-tested, I would say. They played Notre Dame on the road. They, they struggled a little bit early on with Maryland, and Maryland's a good team, and they pulled away from that one. Had Indiana early. That was mm-hmm. just kind of a weird game, and they took care of Indiana in the second half. So Ohio State has dealt with more adversity. They have found ways to win. Ohio State finds a way to cover four and a half points. Uh, the people taking Ohio State. Game three, this is a first ever, guys. First ever in Mitch and Vegas history. We're not going by the spread. We're going by Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. over-under. I think this was during a break. I can't remember if this was on air, Troy, or not, but you mentioned something historic about this. So the game is Minnesota at number 24, Iowa. I mean, Hawkeyes have only lost one game, but their offense is the worst. In college football, Minnesota is missing their best, uh, one of the best running backs actually in the country right now. But it's the over-under. The over-under is 31 and a half points. The note on that is that it is one of the lowest over-under numbers in college football in the last five years. The other two have also been Iowa games. <laughs> that's how, yeah, that's exactly the, the reaction. It's just that bad. It's that bad. It's the, that bad if you're Iowa. The people will take the under. Troy takes? Under. That's a gimme. 
You think? It's Iowa, man. I'm thinking this is going to be a 43-44 show, <laughs> showdown. This is gonna be, I mean, throw away the record books, boys. No, I'm going unders on that one, too. I, I can't wait to see a, a two-to-nothing victory. So the teams have combined to average this season 43 points a game. <laughs> Iowa has the worst total offense in the nation. They're 130th or something like that. How many, how many teams? It's getting worse because they don't have Caden McNamara anymore. So they're going with a backup quarterback. Deacon Hill, I think, is his name. Um, so they're singing the Deacon Blues? Honk your horn <laughs> if you got that. <laughs> I mean, come on. We talked the Crimson Tide next. Yeah. See? See? Working that Steely Dan angle. There we go. Come See? on. You just don't get, man. It's did you, okay. Did you get it? I didn't know. Did Trey get it? Deacon Blues? <laughs> so you're telling me it's another crappy Steely Dan song? Wah, wah. Nice job. Well done. Yeah. Dang, man. Deacon Blue, what man. It's the name man? of the song. Was Michael McDonald a part of that? Uh, I believe he was, yeah. Oh, Michael. Whoa, he was he was in Steely Dan. Yeah, yeah. Before, Doobie Brothers, before Steely Doobie Brothers. Dan. Yeah. What was it? You're gonna say he's in Genesis next? Come no, on, man. actually, Thank Journey. <laughs> nah, he played the keyboards in Journey. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, this keeps going. It's gonna be like Trump history on X. <laughs> Let me. I'm gonna finish my notes here. Let's. Okay, yeah, over so, under, over under, over Minnesota, under. back to one of the best running backs in the nation. They have Darius Taylor. When he's healthy, he is one of the best running backs in the country. But he's missed the last two. He's questionable for this game. I don't know if that's a big difference, but the thing is, <laughs> last year's game was thirteen to ten, Jeez. and I think Minnesota was better. Yeah, last year <laughs> they were better. They were a nine-win team. I don't think this is a nine-win team. No, I think this year it's seventeen to thirteen. Though I'm going to also take the under. I should have been different, but I wanted to take the under. Under across the board, we're all going to get just embarrassed. <laughs> all right, what do we have next? Game four. Crimson Tide. Takes us to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Number 11, Alabama. Number 17, Tennessee. 230 on CBS. Crimson Tide favored by nine and a half. The people say Alabama. DG, what do you think? I'm going Tennessee. I'm, I have to shake it up. I have to shake things up to in order to get back in business, baby. Give me the points. Nine and a half. Tennessee's going to shock the world and take down Alabama. In Bryant Denny Stadium, and guess what? You guys are all stupid for not picking it. <laughs> nice try. Uh, I'm going Bama. The fact that they are at home, I continue to be very leery of Tennessee and performance in road games, uh, especially after the uh, egg they laid at Florida earlier this season. Uh, I really am uh, of the mind that Alabama gets some things turned around in this ballgame. Uh, so, actually, I'm, I'm leaning with you, DG, and maybe this is where we, again, fall behind uh, with Troy, him going with the Tide, but I'm, I'm feeling Tennessee as well. This game does not have the hype like it did last year. Oh, heck it? no. It not even close. No. Well, not even and, close. And that's because they're a combined uh, 28 in terms of their rankings, 17 and 11. I mean, you know, they, that that's not an SEC norm no, for isn't. those for those two teams. The biggest difference, you know, Tennessee's front is pretty good. They're going to get after Jalen Milrow. He's going to be under pressure throughout the day. 
Um, I, I think that is a difference, and it's also it's because of that. It's going to keep the game in the twenties, and if it's in the twenties, I, I give the shot to. I, I think Alabama wins, but Tennessee has a shot certainly to cover nine and a half. That's nine a lot of points. Half. That's a lot. So I'm going to go with Tennessee as well. Game five takes us to Tallahassee, number sixteen Duke at number four. Florida State Seminoles favored by 13 and a half. It's a 6:30 game on ABC. The people are going uh, Florida State. Jordan? I'm putting it down on Florida State as well, but I will admit that this is the leeriest pick that I had out of this bunch. This is the one that concerns me the most because that line is so large. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I. Florida State is very good. They are super good on both sides of the ball. They have great coaching staff. Great kids, thirteen and a half points against an also very good football team with a future Michigan head, state head coach Mike Elko. Um, Duke, I'm taking Duke. I know they don't have, they don't have their boy well under played. center, but they're gonna they thirteen and a half is too much. Duke is good at football. I, I think that that's probably though why the line is set where it is is yeah. the fact that they're going to be without their starter at quarterback. Starter as in Duke's starter? Yes. Duke's, okay. Yeah, he went down yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, against uh, Notre Dame. Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, yeah. Uh, so this will be the 22nd meeting all time between the Blue Devils and Seminoles. You know how many times Duke has won in that series? Zero. Zero, Zero times. Florida State is 21-0 against Duke. The only time they had a game that was decided by one score, it's only happened one time. 2017, when it was 17-10, to Florida State. I'm actually going to go Florida State to cover 13 and a half. Duke is is banged up. Yeah, they, they they are their injuries are stacking up on both sides of the football. Plus, it's questionable if Riley Leonard, their very good running back for Duke, is going to be able to give it a go. If he does, he's not one hundred percent. Boy, give me Jordan Travis. Give me Jordan Travis in that Florida State offense to cover thirteen and a half. And then our final game, we head to Old Pasadena. No, is it past? No, no. I, was, I got it mixed up. <laughs> Coliseum. L.A. Coliseum. Yeah, baby. Excuse me. Number fourteen, Utah. Number eighteen, USC. Seven o'clock on Fox. It's an early game without the point five on the end. So, uh, Trojans. Tommy Trojan favored by seven points. Deej, before you go, let me give you what the people are saying. The people say Utah. Going Utes. I'm going USC, even though they got embarrassed. Last weekend, I'm still going to take them. You know, seven points is they can cover that. Uh, Utah going to travel, get some blues. Some what was it? Deacon blues when they travel down to LA. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm sorry. I you're was nap- looking. You napping over there? <laughs> sorry, I was looking for the phone number on something. So um, no, I'm I'm USC in that game. I think that they rebound from. Uh, losing to Notre Dame last week, the opportunity to get home, I think that they have a desire to show something after what really has kind of been a stretch here where they've not looked as strong as they did to begin the year. Uh, Utah is one of the best rushing defenses in the nation. Um, I'm going to actually go Utah, and I think I'm a little crazy because I was leaning USC. I've decided to change my mind because of how good Utah has been defensively. And USC, I mean... I, I, they got exposed, I, and I don't know if you. I don't know if Utah's going to be the one that just pounds them on offense, but I think there's a close game. There's no way this game gets decided by multiple scores, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go Utah, maybe by USC winning by four points. But honestly, I think it could go either way. That's Mitch in Vegas. 
We take a break, and when we come back, we are joined by former K-State wide receiver Curry Sexton. We talk a lot of quarterbacks when we come back on the game. We're back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, and Travion Berkland running our board today. Let's get to it right now. He is uh, earlier today. Maybe it's still going on right now. I'm not sure. Over at Colbert Hills, the Wildcat NIL Golf Tournament. And we'll talk Wildcat NIL in just a moment. But we're now joined by former K-State wide receiver Curry Sexton. All right, Curry, first up, let's jump back to last Saturday and K-State's 38-21 win against Texas Tech. Obviously, the man of the hour was number 5 Avery Johnson, the true freshman, runs for five touchdowns. Clearly, I mean, even before we saw him play in game one against SEMO, crazy hype about him, about his speed, agility, but you know what also stood out was just his calmness and ability to cruise down the field with that offense and opening things up for guys like Treshawn Ward. Anything about his game, after hearing about all the hype, did it surprise you that he performed so well? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to steal a line from Coach Kleiman. I think he said he was impressed but not surprised by Avery's poise and presence, and I, I would say the same thing. I mean, everything you've ever heard about this kid is that he's incredibly, he's incredibly athletic. He's an explosive runner. He can throw the football. He's a, he's a smart and, and, and poised kid with incredible maturity. I mean, we've been told those things since he first came on our radar a couple of years ago, and now we're seeing them play out on, on, you know, on Saturdays. And so not surprised, but just incredibly impressed by him. I mean, for him to be thrown into the fire like that after not playing in the prior two games uh, and just and, and really take the football game over and do it with such patience and poise was just was unbelievable. I mean, you know, you don't you don't see that from young guys hardly ever. And so just very, very, very impressed with him. I've been asking this question to all the guests and even the co-hosts here on the show. And for most, I mean, I understand it's a tough question to answer, but if K-State did not play Avery Johnson against Texas Tech, do you still think K-State wins? That's a really good question. And I'm going to say no. You know, I think, and, and, and let me say this, it's, it, I guess it's, if, if, if Baron Morton stays healthy, the answer is no. So if Baron Morton plays the entire game and Avery doesn't play, I think the answer is no. With their, you know, with their third, fourth, fifth stringer, whatever he is coming in, the answer might very well be yes. But I think the dynamic that Avery brought to the table against that Texas Tech defense was the perfect recipe for, for that success. Um, and I think the perfect recipe for, this, for the personnel that we have. I mean, I've, I've said it time and time again this year. I don't know that our offensive line and, and, and that our personnel is built for a downhill running game. I'm sure we had success against UCF, but as we're seeing, anybody can run the ball against UCF. And so I think, you, you know, you see that not only did Avery have immense success on the ground, but he opened up, you know, some running lanes for Treshawn Moore that Treshawn hasn't had this year. And, and you know, just it, and made things easy for that offensive line. I think, you know, more, more zone schemes instead of power schemes, which seem to maybe suit, you know, th- those guys up front. And so I think, you know, I think Avery obviously played a huge role in us winning that game. Um, and, and, and just, you know, I, I think, yes, we, we lose that game if Avery doesn't come in. So I refuse to call this a controversy yet because it's not like one side of the fan base wants one guy, the other side wants the other. Because we know, I mean, really the only guarantee about Saturday is there are no guarantees about who plays and how much. Obviously, you were involved with an offense back in 2013 that did have a quarterback controversy with Jake Waters and Daniel Sams. So take me back 10 years ago. What do we remember, either the, the good things about it or maybe the not-so-good things about it, with the shared time of Waters and Sam 10 years ago? 
Yeah, I mean, the good things were, you know, Jake and Daniel were both super talented guys, and they were both great in the locker room, and everybody loved them. So from that perspective, you know, a lot of guys, you know, they're, they're, you know, you were going to play hard for whoever was out there. Um, but but in reality, from a, you know, from a scheme perspective and, and just from a, from a team, you know, unity perspective, it was really, really hard, you know, to, to deal with the constant jockeying and the constant back and forth. I mean, you know, we go down, and obviously that, that year we got off to a rough start, um, but we go down to Texas and Jake throws for a thousand yards and obviously we lose that game. And then the next week at Oklahoma State, Jake starts the first series and then I don't think plays another down in the game. Um, and so it was really hard to find a rhythm because they were two totally different, you know, styles of quarterback. And so Daniel comes in the game, you know, it's going to be a lot of run blocking, a lot of zone read. Um, as a receiver, it's a totally different ball game than when Jake's in the game. And I think there's a little bit of that that comes into play with Avery and Will. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's two guys that are both very talented. They're both very well respected within the locker room and within the fan base for the most part. My biggest concern, though, is, you know, unless Avery starts the game and, and struggles to find success, how is the fan base going to react if Will trots out for that first series? Is it going to be a positive or a negative reaction? And I think I think the, the the way that this quarterback, you know, if you want to call it controversy or this you know this dual quarterback system that we're about to implement, you know, my worry is that it's going to have an, you know it's going to be the fan base is going to be most affected by it, and that's going to you know ultimately play a you know play a play a factor in, in the outcome of the game. Well, you mentioned there you'd be interested to know, like, if it is Will Howard that trots out for the first snap, does it, you know, maybe a mixed reaction? I think it would, and maybe more towards a negative action if Will Howard didn't win a, a Big 12 championship last year and has all this experience. But it kind of rolls into my next question about how would you personally feel about the current scenario if it was Avery to start the game? Would you be comfortable with that? Or would you be more comfortable with Will being the guy and then Avery comes in at some point and does his thing? You know, I, I think, you know, personally, and I, I don't envy Coach Kleiman and Coach, and Coach Klein and the decisions they have to make, but I think after last week, I think you have to start Avery. Um, and, I, and I have immense respect for Will and I'm very, you know, very much do appreciate and, and respect what he's done at K-State or K-State. But, you know, Avery came in the game and, and took that ball game over and took, you know, sort of the fan base by storm last Saturday. And, and you know, there's been some, you know, some, some, there's been some factions of the fan base that have not been rightfully have not been pleased with the performance of Will Howard yet this year. And so I think if you run it, if you run Will out for that first snap, you're going to have some negative reactions by a, by a, by a probably a significant portion of the fan base, which I don't think is going to have a good effect on Will or the team. Um, so I think, you know, you roll Avery out and just like you did with Trayshawn Ward and DJ Giddens last week, you feel the game out. If Avery finds success early, you continue to ride the hot hand. If Avery runs into struggles, then maybe you bring Will in and see if his skill set is better suited for this, for this TCU defense. Um, but I think after what we saw last week and what we've seen so far over the first, you know, several games of this season, yeah, I think you got to run with Avery to start to start the day. Former K State wide receiver Curry Sexton is our guest. We talked last week about wide receivers, maybe specifically Phillip Brooks. We saw a lack of effort, maybe in some rounds, but some blocking certainly showed a lack of effort. Did you see more effort this past game against Texas Tech? 
Yeah, certainly. And in 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 a lot of ways it's it's not hard to give effort when you're in a positive situation. When Avery Johnson comes into that game and the offense starts buzzing and you can tell the team starts buzzing, it's not hard to give effort. Um but yes, I did see improved effort. There were still some instances where effort was, you know, left me wanting more uh from from some guys, but I was, you know, mostly pleased with the with the receiver group. I thought they did, you know, nice job blocking on the edge. And did make some plays in the air. I mean, Phil, you know, made that incredible catch over the middle of the field. I still don't know how he caught that. I don't know if he was supposed to catch that ball, but he did. Um, and, and so, yeah, there were some, you know, good performances. It was good to see Keegan get a snap on the on on that end around and almost score a touchdown. Uh, you know, it was good to see Keegan out there running routes. I thought he got held and got interfered with on two routes where he where he was throwing the football, and it was uh, it was a travesty that, that neither one of those were called, but. Um, you know, mostly a, a, a positive performance from the offensive group last week. Over the defense, just in general, what stood out to you, you know, from both halves? Because I know, you know there were the three interceptions, but it kind of felt like it was kind of gift-wrapped. I mean, there were some great things, some bad things. What did you take away? You know, I think the biggest thing is, is we, we got some pressure on the quarterback. You know, we got no pressure on the quarterback against Oklahoma State. And that, and I think that was, you know, the reason why Oklahoma State was able to, to you know, to move the ball for over 400 yards of offense that night. Um, you know, Baron Morton obviously took several shots, and that led to him not coming back into the game. And then the backup quarterback took several shots. We were getting pressure on the quarterback. We were forcing throws. And obviously that led to, you know, a few picks, and it probably should have been more than three. Um, and so I, that, that was the biggest thing. And obviously we see it in the NFL. We see it in college football a pass rush can really cover some deficiencies in a defense. And I'm not saying we have a lot of deficiencies in the back end, but obviously we've struggled to force turnovers this year. And then all of a sudden you start getting after the quarterback and all of a sudden turnovers start to fall in your lap. And some of that may be because the quarterback who threw you know, several of those picks is a true freshman, inexperienced guy. But I do think the pass rush was something that I was really pleased with. All right, Curry, let's look at Saturday. Let's look at this game against TCU, K-State 4-2, and two, and uh, the Horton Frogs are 4-3. and three. They came off that huge win over BYU. I did not expect it to be such a blowout. What do you know? What do you like? What are you concerned about when it comes to TCU? And just some thoughts on what K-State needs to do to win. Of course. I think – I mean, I was shocked that, that- – that TCU did, you know, did what they did to BYU. I mean, I was watching game day Saturday, and Stanford Steve picked, you know, picked BYU to cover plus five, and, and said, you know, this might be a game where BYU wins outright. And so I was fully expecting a really good football game. And obviously BYU has performed. You know, they beat Arkansas on the road. They gave KU a test on the road. That's that's been a pretty good football team. So I was shocked, especially with Chandler Morris being out. Um, so, you know, with TCU, you're always going to get a physical football team and you're always going to get guys who can run. You're always going to have athletes on both sides of the football, and that appears to be the case this year. I guess what concerns me most is uncertainty about, you know, who is, who is, Josh, who is Josh Hoover if he's going to be the guy Saturday. Um, you know, this is a guy who came in and threw for well over 400 yards on Saturday in his first, you know, in his first true game, first true outing. And I was joking with a buddy the other day. I said, you know, maybe Chandler Morris is like Good Luck Chuck in the movie, you know, in the movie <laughs> Good Luck Chuck, where Chandler Morris is the starting quarterback and he gets hurt, and then the next guy up has a ton of success. I mean, we saw it last year with Max Duggan, obviously, who, who nearly won a Heisman. And through one game, we've seen Josh Hoover have a ton of success. And so my concern, was that, my concern is that maybe they found something, you know, something real with Josh Hoover, um, and maybe he's, you know, a better quarterback than Chandler Morris has shown through, through you know, various games over the course of two years. And so... 
you know, I, I think we got to be prepared for them to air the ball out all over the yard on Saturday, and, and hopefully we can get some pressure on on Josh Hoover and force him to make some, you know, to make some errant throws. All right, Curry, to wrap up, uh, let's remind all the K-State fans out there about Wildcat NIL. What an awesome opportunity it is to support K-State student-athletes with Wildcat NIL. So once again, let's share those details about how K-State fans can support the Cats. Of course, of course. And obviously, as everybody knows out there, um, name, image, and likeness, NIL, is, is playing a significant role in the success of athletics programs across the country. Um, I mean, I can say this with, with complete conviction. We don't have the success that we had in football last year and in basketball and now in football this year without NIL being a factor. And that will continue to be the case, as, as we've seen across the country. And so, you know, Wildcat NIL, there, there's a lot of ways that you can support us. Um, you know, we, we, we have opportunities for everybody in our fan base to get involved, whether you have a few bucks a month to give or, or you know, a lot of money to give. So, if you know, we, have, we just rolled out a fan membership in late August. Uh, where people can get people can subscribe to Wildcat NIL um, for anywhere from nine ninety nine to ninety dollars a month, and there will be various access and perks that are given at those different levels. Um, and, and that's just a way to get the general fan base engaged to support these student athletes and to make a difference in the success of our programs. And then, if you're a business or 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 you know a donor with deep pockets, obviously you know we have ways for you to get involved as well. And so I would encourage anybody out there listening got an interest in helping K-State continue to have success, go visit www.catsnil.com and either send us an email or contact us through our submission link on the, on the webpage. All right, Curry, before I let you go, real quick, fun question. Uh, you brought up good luck, Chuck. Was there a movie that when you were in high school that just went wild with your class or went wild through the high school that everybody was quoting? For me at Clay Center, it was super bad. Did you have one of those movies? I would say Super Bad was there too, but man, I'll give you a, I'll give you one kind of off the wall that uh, that that isn't as popular as it was in Abilene High School. But Strange Wilderness uh, oh, was a wow. movie with Jonah Hill and Steve Zahn and the guy who plays Farva on Super Troopers. And it, it may not have been the entire school; it may have been just my friend group. But we just loved that movie and we quoted it constantly. So that that's one that jumps out that jumps out in my mind. It's just a it is a hilarious movie if you're into dumb comedy. That's got a lot of the guys from Adam Sandler movies. It in, does, yeah. yeah it does. That. But I've actually never seen that one. It gets a 2% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, it gets a 98% in my mind. So that, I, that, that we make up the 100% there. I mean, they gave Good Luck Chuck 5%, so they're doing something wrong with these uh, cult comedies and cult classics. But, Curry, with that, we can put a bow on it. We can wrap her up. Thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to talking to you next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Mitch. Have any of you guys ever seen the movie Strange Wilderness? <laughs> I love Strange Wilderness. Nope. Oh, my God. Like, they, they shoot, they, like, <laughs> kill Bigfoot. They find him. And oh. they're like, oh, he was going out. He's like, going to attack us. And they're like, I thought he kind of came out and went, huh? <laughs> shoot him. <laughs> it, it was, it, I think that movie, like, what a, what a call back from him on, like, a movie that is not super well known, but it is Funny. Had to be really early in Jonah Hill's film- filmography. Yeah. It's, but when he said that, I was like, for some reason, I, my mind went to the, remember the movie Without a Paddle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seth Green and well, Dax Shepard, I think, is yeah. in there as well. And I remember watching it once or twice. It's a great movie, too. You think so? Um, Accepted. Did you ever see Accepted? Oh, Accepted's great. Oh. Another Jonah Hill movie. Man. Justin Long. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good one. The Kid and I've, I haven't seen him in hardly anything else ever since then, but the guy that was like obviously kind of you know really weird, but he was 
a five, you know a five star Michelin chef yeah. at the school, and he oh, just crushed yeah. it. Everything he made it was so weird; it was delicious. Yeah, funny. That guy was really funny, but I've never seen him in anything That's after a that. Good point, man. I'll have to look that guy up, man. Five star Michelin. Does that sound right, Michelin chef? Or? Yeah, Michelin. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. They go up five star. They, they five do tires and they do chefs. Well, I, I knew they had Michelin star restaurants, but yes. I didn't know if the chefs were in the same category or same. You know, basic. Uh, basically, if the restaurant gets it, they get it. Yeah. Okay. Is oh that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, a number one song just for Trey. When we come back on the game. Yeah, 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 man! It's time for ask us anything. Um. I recently found out that some people don't consider, or some people consider the Cheesecake Factory a very fancy restaurant. I did not know that. <laughs> I thought it was like a tourist trap kind of deal. Dude, uh, they think it's a fancy restaurant themselves because of what they charge you. For sure. I just I saw people really dressed up in D.C. and uh, in a Cheesecake Factory. I was like, wow. Um, what's the fanciest chain restaurant in your opinion? Um, I mean, ex- of course, excluding Arby's. Ruth's Chris. I've never been there. Is like, I, I is is it a must go? Uh, honestly, I've never been either mm-hmm. because Classic. I can't afford this. I, I can't afford that price on a steak. I'm just trying to think of what we have here. I other used than to, Whataburger. I used uh, to think Chipotle was like high end. <laughs> I really did. Well, when I was a kid, I you know Olive Garden. Uh huh. Uh, Chili's. Uh, oh. Those were those were uh, that was a big day if you got to yeah. go there. Now I'm thinking maybe Longhorn Steakhouse. Uh huh. Just because it has the word steakhouse for sure. Would you consider Starbucks to be a classy chain? No, because you can you can lay down in there. <laughs> I've seen people laying in a Starbucks. That so. sounds like a California Starbucks. So much of <laughs> no, that's an Aggieville Starbucks. Okay. Man, people laying in there, man. <laughs> Trey just popped a bunch of people with that comment. Okay. <laughs> we got to go. Hey, that's the last uh, live show of the week. For Trey, Deej, Troy, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.